Welcome back to They Talk Sex Podcast. This is the sex work and relationships episode. Our guest is Jesse Sage. We are internet acquaintances, about to be internet friends. We are mm-hmm. both, yeah, parents and partners and sex workers, I believe. We're going to get to know Jesse Sage a lot better in this episode. You can look her up on Instagram at curvaceous underscore sage. She's on Twitter at sapiotextual, and her website is jessiesage.com. Welcome, Jesse. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Yeah, like we said before we started recording, we've seen each other on the interwebs for years, and mm-hmm. now this is a great uh, reason to interact. Yeah, yeah. And this is a topic that I really like talking about, so I'm excited to be here. Yeah, so this was kicked off for me when I thought, oh gosh, let's expand on this. You were getting a little bit of heat and also some support, it looks like, from a <laughs> Twitter post. So yeah, I did not expect that. 8.8 million views. <laughs> yeah, I muted it because I otherwise it'll take over your life. And in prepping for this, I just opened it back up and was like, oh, God. <laughs> right. It's weird that whole like sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. It's like, no, words hurt really badly sometimes. Right, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, it was wild. So, I mean, the tweet that you're talking about is... Can we read it? Oh, yeah. Do you, you want to go backward a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to read the tweet. So this was okay. posted June 8th of this year, 2023. It has 8.8 million views. So sapiotextual Jesse Sage says, a client told me that his wife, who can't have sex anymore because of health reasons, is the best person he knows. He will never divorce her, and he doesn't want to, but he can't imagine never having sex again. Seeing a sex worker in this case is so reasonable slash ethical that we criminalize this is a travesty. Yeah. So people got really, um, so I have, okay, I have so much to say about this. First of all, I'm talking about a very specific conversation, but this is not, he is not the only client that I have that's in this situation. Actually, this is fairly common. Um, I'm an escort and I have a lot of older clients and a lot of my older clients are in a situation like this. So I didn't think that this would be as controversial as it is. A lot of people seem to get um, caught up on the fact that I use the word ethical and totally freaked out because they didn't think that ethical should be a word that's used in conjunction with seeing sex workers at all. Mm -hmm. And then a lot of people keyed off on the fact that they didn't think that this is that anything that has to do with clients should be a reason to decriminalize, which I thought was really interesting because I never said that that was the only reason we should decriminalize sex work or that that was even the most important reason. I just claim that it doesn't seem like this is behavior that should be criminalized. And um, and there was a lot of pushback against that too. So it was interesting to see how all of that played out because much of, not, not a lot of it had to do with what I had to say. And <sighs> it felt like, like there was a lot of assumptions that were being made. And also for people who followed me for a really long time, um, one of the interesting things about this is that this, this particular thing is important to me because I had... I'm not only a sex worker, but I, my partner um, had cancer twice in our relationship. And so I understand how complex it is to be with somebody who is sick or disabled or has um, 
or interacts with you in ways that are very different um, at different points in your relationship and what that means to the person who is becomes a caretaker instead of a partner. And I just wanted to say that I feel empathy for that. And then people got really upset and started talking about how I cheated on my husband and mm. which never happened. You know, it was wild, wild accusations that were mm. really odd and surprising mm. to me. <laughs> mm. It really sucks when people take their own shit and just like run with it on mm-hmm. your post. Yeah. Right. And the interesting thing about that is that somebody said, wow, I'm seeing what's happening on your page. Your DMs must be wild. And I got out of all of that one DM. Nobody was actually talking to me. Wow. Which is really interesting, I think. Can I can we ask the the general content of the DM? Like, who was it from? Yeah, it was from um, a swerf who said that I and probably going to hell, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. I love when the really anti-porn so-called feminists pop out and they're like, you're just sucking the dick of the patriarchy. And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, aren't we all, but like, at least it's paying me sometimes, you know? <laughs> right, right. Condom. Um, yeah. No, I think I thought it was interesting because there was an assumption that I was getting like personally attacked and I was publicly facing, but I wasn't privately. And I think that says a lot. That's very interesting. Yeah. It seems to me like more people want to offload than actually understand. So right. we're going to try to, yeah, do that here. So this episode is not just about personal ethics around sex work and marriage, but also how do you support your partner in sex work? Mm-hmm. Um, and like, let's get around all sides of this. So to back up a little bit. So what are your backgrounds? You mentioned you're an escort. I know you're a writer. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm a writer. Um, my partner and I started um, about six years ago now, Peep Show podcast that ran for five years. We don't do it anymore, but we did, mm-hmm. um, which was a news and stories about the sex industry podcast. Um, we started that when we used to cam together, which I no longer do, but I started my sex work journey in camming and then phone sex and then clip production. And for the last two and a half years, I've been a full-time escort and moved out of the online sex work uh, realm. But I've basically done most forms of sex work besides dancing. I've never been a stripper and uh, (laughs) I don't have any coordination and I'm not an athlete. So I loved that tweet too. You're like, can we talk about how strippers are the athletes of the sex work world? And I was like, oh my God, a true advocate for all of us. I know. I really am so impressed by strippers. Um, That's not a job I could do. And um, I've never worked in like a dungeon doing pro dom stuff. But any escort will tell you that we do a lot of dom stuff anyway. So Mm. I've just never worked in like a a dungeon sort of space. But other than that, I've done most forms of sex work for the last nine years. And before that, I was an academic and I was doing a PhD in philosophy. And I dropped out when I got a divorced and ended up being a single mom and started doing sex work and pivoting my whole life. So that's mm. that's the nutshell of my story. Well, that lands really nicely because here we get to philosophize. Is that a word? Philosophy? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> we get to talk about <laughs> sex here. So you covered some of my questions. Um, so what kinds of feedback, and this will be a spectrum, I'm sure, what kind of feedback do you receive from people? Like online or in person, just about your about, work. About 
what? Yeah, any any kind of feedback about how your work either serves them or makes them feel or might add complication or oh, like mm-hmm. right yeah. like I yeah like I'll have clients that are like oh you've helped me explore my queerness or my kinkiness but then also maybe on the flip side they're like I feel like I'm becoming attached to you and I can't do this anymore you know stuff like that yeah yeah so um I was saying that I do I I have um a couple of niches that I think that I fulfill um one of them and they're very specific I have older clients like I was saying right now I'm talking about the work that I'm doing now which has changed over time but I'm 45 so I have a lot of clients who are older uh 60s um 70s some of the a lot of them have um either lost their spouses or they're they no longer have a sexual relationship with their spouse but they want to stay in their marriage um not just for you know practical reasons but because they love their spouse and has spent like a lifetime with them Mm -hmm. um and I also have uh so that's like one of my um client bases another one is just like dads around my age like in their 40s um who just want to see want some variety in their sex life and then I have a lot of clients who are autistic and who come to me because like um and mo- many of them are single and a lot of them come to me because they are almost practicing um, relationships and sex in a way like, and mm-hmm. um, maybe they don't always say it like that, but often they do actually. Um, and mm-hmm. so those three, those three groups are make up the majority of all of my clients. And I think that the feedback that I get from them is different because they're coming to me for different reasons. A lot of the older clients that I have have told me that their relationship with me makes them feel um, things that they haven't felt in a long time, like kind of reignited their sexuality or made them feel alive and desirable again. Um mm the ones that are my age often they have less emotional attachment and it's more just about like stress relief (laughs) or you know something fun or a diversion Mm -hmm. from like the responsibilities of their life but it's less um I don't think that it has the same sort of like emotional impact because their need isn't the same and then my autistic clients often I actually often have some of the um, a really intense bonds with them because I feel like we develop like almost like a, a friendship too. That's, that's less about sessions and more about just interacting over like periods of time. Um, and that feels a little bit different. So mm-hmm. I guess that the, the feedback that I get from all of those clients is that it's serving some like function in their life that's important to them. And that's different based on where they are in their lives and what they're trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I have had people who have become overly attached or who feel like it's complicated. I think I deal with that a little bit less than a lot of other sex workers. And it has to do with my relationship status. Um, Speaking of relationships, because Mm -hmm. I've never hid that I'm a married sex worker or that Mm -hmm. I have kids or my own family. And part of that is because I, you know, built my career um, writing and doing a joint show with my partner. So it's not, even though I escort under like a different name just for SEO reasons to Mm -hmm. not mix it up so much with my Mm -hmm. uh, writing profile. Mm -hmm. Um, everybody still knows that it's me and that's fine. I don't try to hide that. And I think that 
the fact that I'm very open about my marriage, about what I can provide and what I can't provide, it's a little harder to project onto me. Like, mm, mm-hmm. um, it's a little harder to project onto me fantasies of what like our life could be like together when that's never really on the table. Um, mm-hmm. And and I'm not saying that's because I do such a good job of setting up boundaries or anything. It's more that like I'm very forthright about like how full my life is and that's not hidden to my clients. And mm-hmm. so some of them are still going to get attached because sex is very powerful. Um, but we kind of just work through that. And I think that um, that hasn't been as much of a problem as I've, as it has been for some of my friends. Yeah, certainly. So that's, that's a really interesting one. Gosh, so many things are coming up. Um, I've definitely mentioned on the show before how it's, it's been a thing where at least in Portland stripping culture, I'm like, okay, it's a small city. I am mm-hmm. a recognizable entertainer. Like when I've yeah. had boyfriends or husbands, cause let's be honest, people don't care about women, women relationships as much. Like they're more no. threatened mm-hmm. by like another penis. Right. So yeah. when I've had straight hetero relationships or hetero presenting ones, cause my beloved B who passed away, he was queer. Um, mm-hmm. but you know, whatever, when I look straight, yeah. I've told partners, I'm like, okay, when we go to this event, we're not holding hands. You're not putting your arm around me. I have to not kill the boner for any clients that might see me there. <laughs> uh huh. You know, but also mm-hmm. it's like I there is overlap because I do the podcast or I'll post on Instagram that I'm like on a vacation with someone, and it's like, well, and who else do I make porn with? You know, it's fucking boyfriend. Sure. <laughs> um, but like I see your social yeah. media, and I'm like, oh, like there's PJ, PJ, and on Twitter, just PJ, yeah, they're Peach Sage. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, I'm like, oh, there's, there's their face. There's, it it would be Uh really hard to be in that kind of denial, I think. Yeah, it is. And people will talk, like my clients will talk to me about that. And my, I mean, PJ also is a photographer and they've shot a lot of my friends as well, like their ad photos and people that I've done duos and things like that with. And so I've had client, like recently I had a client who was like, oh, I saw your husband and didn't your husband also take pictures of these other escorts and you know I they're it's hard to pretend like it's it's hard for them to ignore that because not only are they not only is PJ present on my profiles as my partner but is also just a presence in the community so Mm -hmm. you know and not only that but they can listen to us interact for five years worth of episodes you know so right um and for the most part that's not Um, that hasn't been a problem at all. I mean, a lot of my clients, I, you know what I really, so, um, they're non-binary, they use they, them pronouns. A lot of my clients, even people who don't consider themselves to be particularly progressive or know a lot about, you know, gender, gender identity. Yeah. Yeah. And gender identity, um, will use they, them pronouns for PJ without asking me because they've picked up on that online. And, you know, there's a, there's a really big effort to, to not to necessarily include them, but to recognize that they're a part of my life. Like it's, it's interesting. One of my clients who often brings presents when he comes to see me brought a little present and he was like, Oh, this one actually isn't for you. This is for your partner. And I <laughs> opened it and it, and they've never met, you know, but, yeah, um, yeah. and I opened it and it was a mug and the mug had a camera on it and Aww. on it, it said, I shoot people and I sometimes cut off their heads. <laughs> and <laughs> that was so funny. Um, and 
there's a there's a lot of that where um and I think for the married clients, a lot of the married clients feel comfortable with me knowing that I'm also married. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's obviously a selection bias because people who wouldn't be comfortable with that don't become my clients. Um, so I don't know, I don't know what business I'm missing out on because of that, but I'm busy mm-hmm. enough that I, there is enough clients for me that not only do not mind, but ask me about my partner, bring little gifts for them. Today, I have a client who lives in another state and today he booked a movie date. We've done this twice where like we go to a movie at the same time and then come home and have a Zoom call about it. And we did that today. And I just told him, I was like, oh yeah, PJ is going to come with me. And then PJ kind of walked in on the Zoom call and like said hi and then walked out. Um, And that's just it's just fine. It's just PJ has been so integrated. Like my relationship has been so integrated into my sex work persona and also just my life and my relationship with my clients that it's, it just is. And Mm -hmm. that's just how I run my business, but I've never been, I've never been a sex worker outside of that relationship. We, Mm -hmm. I started it when we got together. Mm -hmm. Okay. And again, all of this is so, you know, unique to you and contextual to people. So Mm -hmm. that's probably why a lot of people coming at you on Twitter aren't really interested in what your story is. They're just thinking of their own, right? Because jealousy Mm -hmm. is a really intense emotion. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, I would not want to be, I wouldn't want to be lied to. So like, if I found Mm -hmm. out, right, like, I get that. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. I've, actually been so 100% supportive when previous partners were getting dances at strip clubs. Um, When when I started camming on a website, my previous partner B, I was like, oh, they mailed me something. What is this? And he's like, it's a vibrator. And I was like, I don't think so. And he's like, no, it is because he was familiar with the camps. (laughs) Yeah. Um, when he yeah. went to Vegas, he ended up interacting with an escort, uh, two times, um, not on purpose, but one time he ended up purchasing services. Um, and I was so happy for that too, because my thought was she got paid and she was safer with him. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause he's a good man. Um, but then we're talking about, I think people who are very personally activated at the thought of their partner or their spouse going behind their back. Right. And I, I totally understand that. Right. I wouldn't want that either, but here's yeah. visualize this. And this is an example I love to teach people. So when we put the onus of maintaining other people's relationships on the sex workers, as if we're supposed to know what our clients mm-hmm. relationships are like, it is right. unreasonable and unfair. And imagine, That's- imagine if we went to, this is what I say, you went to a burger drive through and you order a burger and the person at the window is like, is your wife okay with you having that for your heart health? <laughs> You know, yeah. And that's what it's interesting, because one of the things that people kept saying in the post over and over again is the OP like me uh, has not responded to whether his wife knows or not. And I did not respond to that because I do not know that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, like it is Mm -hmm. not, you know, and I didn't say that because I'm not going to get into that with a bunch of people Mm -hmm. who are just upset Mm -hmm. with me and aren't going to, you know, think about this in any sort of nuanced way. But it is not. I don't ask questions. And the reason I don't know is not because I don't care, but it's because I don't think it's my, I don't ask questions about people's personal lives. Mm -hmm. I'll engage with their personal lives 
in terms of what they tell me, but I don't think it's my business to grill them on their relationship. That's not mine. (laughs) You know, we um, we don't. Yeah. And we don't expect that of any other walk of life for work. We don't ask people, can you afford this? What were your, what will your kids think? Is your spouse okay with it when they're like gambling or buying guns or doing anything? Right. And yeah, I mean, I, I would engage with that if somebody wanted to, if a client wanted to talk about it and I've had clients who have talked to me about, you know, how they're navigating this with their spouses and some spouses know, and some spouses don't know, but I don't assume that that's my business unless they want to talk to me about that. And, Mm -hmm. and the same goes the other way. Like I, I do have clients who've asked me before, well, what does your partner think about what does your partner think about this? Um, and that seems like a silly question in my particular case, because it's not as if this is a big secret, but <laughs> you have five years of podcasts together. I don't know. Go listen to it. Like, gee whiz. Yeah. But, um, but I also find that a bit, you know, offensive, which is why I wouldn't ask somebody that it's not somebody else's business, how I navigate my marriage. And, I think that, um, I feel the same, I feel the same way toward my clients. Their marriage Mm. is their business that has very little to do with me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I can't police other people's relationships and it's not, it's not fair to expect me to do that. Mm -hmm. I mentioned this perhaps last season. Um, I had a strip club client who told me after 30 years of marriage that um, he wanted to end it with his wife and that he'd actually been having an affair um, for a couple years with a different sex worker um, that he felt they were engaging on a personal level. I have no idea if she was charging him or not, whatever. So he's yeah, having yeah. sex outside of the marriage, right? Um, and he he tells me the main reason for this is he's like, in 30 years, my wife has never, ever done oral sex on me. And okay. I was like, huh, do you do it for her? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so you've asked for it. He's like, yeah, repeatedly. And she's like, I just don't want to. And he's like, I don't want to live the rest of my life at this age feeling undesirable in the way I have for the last 30 years. And I was Mm -hmm. like, God damn. So like me in that case, I wouldn't have even married someone unless they're okay with going down on me. But that's me. (laughs) You know, you can't undo. I'm like, again, I'm like, wow, people do their lives so differently. Yeah. I I, PJ and I were talking about that the other day because I said something about like somebody had told me that they hadn't had sex for five years or something. And Mm -hmm. PJ was Mm -hmm. like... I don't think you would be in a marriage if you couldn't have sex for five years. And I was like, I know. Right. Yeah. Well, it's like, if you stop for five years, I'm probably out. I mean, I didn't say it like that, but like, I, it's understood. It's, <laughs> yeah. I think they were like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. I mean, and to, truth be told, I have a much higher like sex drive than they do. And so I think it was funny because I think they were like, well, I could imagine a partnership like that, but like, not with you. Not with you. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, funny. So, so I asked on Twitter in prep for this episode, this did not get 8.8 million views. That's fine. Uh, I said, how do you feel about your spouse engaging with sex workers? What is okay for you and why? Mm -hmm. So I'll just read some of these responses. You react. Um, someone says, as long as it's not cutting into bill money, they can do as they please. It's fair. Okay. Someone okay. says, defo, okay, as long as pre-discussed. Also fair, same. Yeah. Also, my audience tends to be a little more 
progressive or open to these <laughs> discussions anyway. So this isn't like a random sampling down at the grocery store. Um, someone You'd probably says, get very different answers if that was the case. Uh, yes. Uh, someone says, seeing how my partner is a sex worker, I fully support it. Someone says, as a swerker who is open and polyam, I love when any of my partners get to enjoy other people. Mm-hmm. Someone says, now when you say engaging, do you mean sleeping with or non-sexual like a BDSM session? Okay, I want to call this out. Sleeping with, I think they mean like PIV sex. And right. BD- BDSM can be incredibly sexual. Oh, absolutely. So I don't know what this person's talking about. <laughs> Well, that was another interesting thing is that one of the people in our, there was a, a line in the responses to that tweet where people were like, this is very heteronormative, like sex is not only PIV sex. And that was very confusing to me because I was like, actually, I never said anything about PIV sex. I said sex and they like projected PIV onto that and then was like, there's so many other ways to have sex. And I was like, I didn't, what? (laughs) I I saw that and I liked your response. And the thing that pisses me off is their comment got about 9,000 likes and yours got 900. And I'm just like, okay, the majority is not always right in the situation. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it it was just interesting. Yeah, I think that, um, I mean, I feel that way. I, I, I guess it's, it's different when you are a sex worker, I think, and you understand what these relationships look like because for me I mean also we're polyamorous so like that's I also have an orientation that's closer to your um listeners but I think that for me if my partner wanted to see a sex worker I would actually find that less threatening if I was to find something threatening than just dating somebody um Mm, like an affair Mm -hmm. like an well yeah I mean obviously I wouldn't co-sign an affair um but you know I oh think- I understand what you mean okay less threatening yeah. than like dating another person than dating another person yeah I think that um sex work you know seeing a sex worker is such a bounded experience um that has very very clear parameters that to me that feels like maybe the safest way to go about having some different types of sexual experiences that you don't have with your partner or just variety if you want variety or yeah I don't know like I have a client who I don't know if his wife knows but I'm pretty sure that she does just by how he talks about it and Mm -hmm. you know I he one time said to me like oh this particular thing that we just did I've never tried this out with my wife but that was really fun and you know I think for and Later, Mm -hmm. he sent me this cute message where he was like, I put some mood music on and my wife was so happy because, and I got that from you. And I was like, wow. (laughs) But basically saying like, you know, this, this has helped our sex life because it's made me step back and think about, you know, what kind of sexual experiences I want to have, not just with you or with other sex workers or with whoever, but with my wife herself, you know? So I think that, um, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of ways to look at it. So we're going to dive more into this. We're going to take a quick break. This is the sex work and relationships episode. Our guest is Jessie Sage. Go find her curvaceous underscore sage on Insta at sapiotextual on Twitter and jessiesage.com.
people ask me all the time, what is the vibrator necklace that you're wearing in the photo of this podcast album art? That is the Vesper or the Vesper 2. If you go to theytalksex.com, click the banner at the top that says Vesper 2. These vibrators are great for solo use, for partner use, as a stimming tool, as a relaxation or distraction fidget. And I'm 100% serious about that. Woman designed here in the USA by friend of the podcast, T. Chang. Get your Vesper on VTOXX.com on the top left banner that says Vesper 2. Welcome back to They Talk Sex podcast. I'm your host, Elle Stanger. We're talking sex work and relationships with Jesse Sage. You can find my behind the scenes activities on patreon.com forward slash strange bedfellows. Let's do some listener questions. Okay, we're going to pivot here a little bit and talk about the other side. No. We're going to talk about sex worker dating a little bit. Okay. So listen, yeah, listener question one. This is a big one. Okay. How do I disclose to my family that I'm dating someone in the adult industry? Depends on your family. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I know that that um, did not go well in our life. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when I, we, for both of our families, um, we did not come out. We were outed to both of them. Um, and it was pretty terrible. Um, it's actually interesting because with my mom, I did not expect her to be upset about it at all. Um, and we didn't, when she found out we were camming and I thought she just knew because we had this podcast and we had other things that we were doing. And I think she thought we were approaching it as academics and not actually doing Mm. any of the work. And then one day she had a sit down with us and was like, are you two engaged in camming? And we were like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We thought thought you knew that. Um, Yeah. And um, that was really, really difficult because what I thought was going to be okay was not okay. And the reason I thought it was going to be okay was because she's a pretty progressive person. I mean, it's, it's okay now, but it's been many years, but Mm -hmm, she's a progressive person. She has progressive politics, but, but she's a second wave feminist. And Mm -hmm, I mm -hmm. didn't think about that because I don't know why I didn't think about that because I'm very familiar with second wave feminism, but I just didn't anticipate the intense emotions that she would have about that. And Mm. What happened, and that was really difficult for our relationship. And and then with my partner's family, um, it was actually worse than that because people found an uncle found one of my links, and then did like a deep dive Ugh. and sent all kinds of links of porn I was in, uh, my night flirt ads, all kinds of things to PJ's parents. And they were circulating around the family and it was a major ordeal. And the only reason I'm like sharing this story is that it, um, I per like, 
I live very out in many, in many ways. Like everybody in my community knows I'm a sex worker. Everyone in my family knows I'm a sex worker. All my sex, all as a sex worker, everybody knows I have a family and kids. So like in both directions, I'm very out. But I think that if I was going to go back in time, I mean, there's a certain freedom of that, but if I was going to go back in time, I think I would think very carefully about who would know and who wouldn't know because that's information that you can't take back (laughs) and Mm. you also don't know how people are going to respond. So I'm not actually advocating for people to like stay closeted about themselves or their partners, but I, I think you're right. It depends on the family. And I think that, um, you don't actually know how people are going to respond when it comes to people, their their own kids, their kids' partners, people that are close to them, because people have very intense feelings mm-hmm. about sex work mm-hmm. that can have really intense consequences for your relationship. And mm-hmm. that's not a cheerful answer, but I Yeah, think- no. <laughs> This is very important to hear that you can totally be surprised and disappointed by the people that are close mm-hmm. to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that you can't, um, un- you can't undo that information. And I don't know. I loved, I don't know if you've ever read Laura Lively's piece, uh, once you've made pornography, no. but, um, it's really good. I recommend it. But one of the things that she talks about is that once you've she says, you know, once you've made pornography, but I think once you, once people know that you've been in sex work in any form, it's not something you just leave behind. It's something that like stays with you and it's the lens through which people view you. And sometimes that's very positive if there are people who are sex work positive, but sometimes it's not. And I think, Mm. um, I would suggest that you really gauge first what you think those people, how they're going to respond to it and what, what it, what it does for you and your relationship for them to know before you dive into that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Don't, don't put your partner in a position where they could be like suddenly trapped or outed. Like, like Mm -hmm. obviously don't tell, don't tell your friends and family without talking to your partner first about what are you okay with them knowing right um Mm -hmm. right and like for me it's because I'm also very out it's been across the spectrum the way I've been received by friends and family of partners is either we don't talk about it at all Mm -hmm. or um we make little jokes about it and it's fine Mm -hmm. um to anything in between where you know suddenly maybe my opinion is invalidated because I'm a whore Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I yeah, and for people who can, I think it's really important to keep it simple and just name what's happening when stuff plays out like that. So mm-hmm. or like the uncle distributing your images to other people. You could very much call that like that's kind of that's harassment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Um so like maybe it takes really standing up to that friend or family member where you're like, "Are you going hard on so and so because of their job?" Mm-hmm. Do you yeah. have feelings about their job or is this about the issue? Um, yeah. And I also think that, um, I mean, one of the things that PJ did that I appreciated um, with their own family is that, especially with their mom, they said, listen, we can have a conversation about this one time. You can tell me what you 
what you think and then past that if you like just set a very hard boundary past that if you have negative things to say about it you can tell them to somebody else we're not going to be discussing this over and over again hell yeah oh that's great um and then this is kind of a joke but also not really because I'm trying to think of what's worked for me and what has also actually worked for me is let the friends and family fall in love with you first and realize you're a good partner <laughs> and that you're, you know, mm-hmm. respectful and like whatever the fuck, you're good for this person. And then if they find out, then maybe they're like, oh, well, I have these feelings about, you know, strippers or cam girls or whatever, but actually she's really nice. So like maybe yeah. this challenges my worldview. That's happening yeah. sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah. 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 But like, I mean, really for the question, it depends on your family and you could mm-hmm. also be described or you could be surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, but check in with each other and just remind yourselves that sex work is not inherently dangerous. It's dangerous because of how people treat sex workers. Right. So this brings us to listener question two. Okay. Try to stay with me on this. My boyfriend's mother was cheated on. His dad cheated on her with a stripper. Mm -hmm. I'm a stripper and she's obviously never going to forgive me about it. Any advice for dealing with someone who obviously has resentment issues at another person? So what I'm hearing is mom's mad that dad cheated on her with a different person working in the industry. Now she might be fearful for her son's wellness or safety or mental well-being. Right. That's so complicated. (laughs) I don't I don't think there's a easy solution for that. Um, Definitely not. I mean, number one, depersonalize it. At least this person understands it's not about you. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. It's probably not about you. Um, Avoid them. <laughs> <laughs> if you can. Yeah, I think it depends on how um, open she is to talking about the fact that like you are a different person and that you can you can understand where she's coming from and why that would be painful but that that has very little to do with you i mean that's 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 something that worked with my with my mom and how we kind of did some healing and i think it wasn't the same situation but where it paralleled i think is that she had a lot of feelings about um especially coming out of second wave feminism about women being objectified you know the whole objectification Mm -hmm. thing about Mm -hmm. um uh, had a lot of assumptions about what it meant to work in the sex industry that were based in how things were in the golden age of porn, which is very different than how things are when everybody's self-producing. And I had to say to her, listen, I understand what your fears are. They have very little to do with my experience. Mm. And mm. That's a good boundary. Yeah. And I can, I can see why that would be scary for you as a mom, but I am not carrying the same baggage or the same experiences as you are. I'm from a different generation. My experiences are very different and the industry is very different. So I can't combat like head on what your assumptions and experiences are because that's not what I'm living right now. And Mm -hmm. I think we, at some point were able to hear each other in that. Mm, that's that's really nice and for our listeners like I'm sorry we can't give you any really succinct advice that will work perfectly because these are really complex broad issues and we hope we're giving you some framing to better understand those issues and tools that you can Mm -hmm. work with yeah Mm -hmm. 
So listener question three. <laughs> okay. My bestie might have issues with my sugaring work. Uh, after I disclosed to her, she used to be the one who always told me to get free drinks from men at the bar. But now that I'm hustling full time for actual income, she's acting weird around me. Thoughts? <laughs> I think yeah, she's that- mad that you're doing what she does, but like efficiently. Yeah, actually making <laughs> making real money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I feel like I've um, yeah. I I I think <laughs> I'm stumbling right now because I feel like that's fairly common for sex workers to have that experience mm-hmm. where. Um, friends who aren't in the industry have very strong feelings about it and that those, like what I was saying about my mom are disconnected from our experiences that we're actually having. Um, I found in the opposite way, especially at the beginning of the pandemic to have almost the opposite experience where people who were very judgy about the work that I was doing suddenly when they were home was like, Hey, can you help me get into the (laughs) (laughs) God? Oh my God. There was so, thank you for reminding me. There was so much discourse around that and like sex workers being like, Oh, y'all were talking shit, but now you're asking me for advice on how to get in. And that was so intense. I don't know if it was for you too, but I felt like every day my DMS were popping off with people coming out of the woodwork who were hey like, girl. Can you train me to be a sex worker? And I was like, what? The <laughs> like, one that you shunned me at parties. What are you talking about? Oh yeah. The one where they're like, Hey girl, just wonder if you could tell me how I can make some quick cash. And I'm like, LOL. Like, um, that doesn't- <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, there's not, that's not a thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> sorry. turns out this is hard. This is actually this is a, a career, hard. a job. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. This is hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So to the question, this might not be your bestie at some point, if you're really embracing Mm -hmm. and going elbow deep as like a career oriented sex worker. Sure. Um, one of my besties, actually, I forget about this person. It was one of my, my first best friend when I moved to Portland, Oregon, actually from uh, Southern California, uh, 15 years ago, we were both nude internet models. And, um, I really looked up to her and she was great in her own regard. And then when I started stripping, I definitely had a transformation of myself where like my disordered eating stopped because I wanted to take care of my body to like make more money and have more energy. Mm -hmm. Um, I was making social connections. I was able to assert myself and I probably had a little baby stripper ego, but I remember Mm -hmm. she, she said to me that she didn't even know who I was anymore. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, fuck, that's really unfortunate because I like this version of myself so much better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The, the icing on the cake and the cherry on top is that she did say some not nice things about me on the internet, which kind of bummed me out and surprised me and disappointed me as a person. And then like a couple of years later, she sat at my stage in my club and quietly tipped me. Wow. And then I never saw her again, but she is still defaming me on the internet. And I don't understand why. And I honestly <laughs> think, I think it goes back to a comment she made years ago where she's like, I'm, I'm good in photos, but like, I can't dance. And I honestly think people would pay me to put my clothes back on if I was stripping. So I'm kind of wondering if she just my success made her feel inadequate. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It was interesting. So I went to an event that was for a very old friend of mine, um, somebody that I kind of fell out of touch with over the years, but, but not completely. So that when she had an event, I went to it and, um, it was very interesting because, um, 
I went, uh, it was a book signing, like it was a book release because she just wrote a book and I bought one of her books and I went up to have her sign it and I was chit chatting with her and asking her how she was doing. And she was like, she was asking me how my book is going because I'm in the middle of writing a book. And I said, well, you know, it's going, but it's actually hard because I'm working a lot. And she's like, oh, what are you doing? And I thought that was a weird question because everybody knows what I do. And I was like, I'm working. And <laughs> she was like, oh, you're working. And I was like, yeah. And then she said, but are you happy? And then she asked me that three times in three different ways. And that was really upsetting to me because there was an implicit assumption that I wasn't happy first of all um that I should have to um use my own happiness to justify my work or my job to her yeah and I just can't imagine talking to somebody and them saying you know what are you doing oh I'm a project manager well but does that make you happy <laughs> that would never that conversation would not go that way and it's it's interesting and what i found and this is kind of a hard question for me to answer because you know 9 years into this which is how long i am into it now it's i have very few friends that aren't somehow connected to the sex industry at this point and every mm. once in a while i'm reminded why because there becomes a a gap in in experience, in politics, in um, assumptions, mm. in culture, that I actually think is a little hard to to bridge. Mm, yeah, yeah. I then that, that's why I've said I don't feel safe in so called women's groups. Mm -hmm. I don't either. Yeah, yeah, and there's also there's those dating um, like. The like dating groups where it's for women to like verify or vet the men they're about to date. It's super hetero. I've been in a yeah. couple of them because it's like interesting to witness. Um, but so like it looks like someone will post a picture of a guy or a dating profile and they're like, hey, does anyone know anything about Jake from, you know, whatever, West Lynn or whatever. And then someone will be like, oh, I dated him. He sucks. Or I dated him. Didn't work out. Or I dated him. He's great. Whatever. And what's interesting is it's not hard for me to scroll through those and I'll see women being like, I'm not a whore. I wouldn't do this. Or he should just go to a strip club if he wants to talk to me that way. And I'm like, Hey, yeah. and the admin quite often do not back me up when I'm like, this violates your actual like discrimination agreements. Like it's hate. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gives yeah. a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I think that's really hard. And I think, um, you know, and recently um, I also was frustrated because I went out to a show in the in the burlesque community um, with somebody who's in that community. And I think a lot of times even burlesque performers try to very much distance themselves from sex workers. And we're not whores, we're performers. Yeah. <laughs> Why and not both? One of the um, other people who was there said to the person that I went with, um, did you, are you paying her to be there with you? Um, in this way that was very um, stigmatizing um, as if I wouldn't show up at an event in my own city unless I was being paid to be there, you know, and those that those sorts of like microaggressions, I think, start to weigh on you, which is why I find it difficult to be in communities mm -hmm. that aren't um, that don't at least have familiarity with sex mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. 
So, listener question four. I know too many strippers who hang out with men who, quote, can't date a stripper, and yet they hook up with them, get food together, or spend lots of time. What is the double standard they are dating? Again, this is the saddest, one of the saddest things about stigma and discrimination. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's like, I like this person. They like me but they're too afraid to bring me around because of how other people might treat them or talk to them. Right. Mm -hmm. Interestingly, I think it, that this is an issue of stigma because I feel like it's the same issue with fat people, like fat women experience oh. the same thing of men being like very attracted to them and wanting to be with them and enjoying their bodies, but not wanting to do it in public. Um, Did you ever watch Shrill? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah where the very beginning, he has her go out the back door so his housemates don't know that they hooked up. Yeah, <sighs> that was very sad. Yeah. 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 Um, so to this, again, I think this can be really simple where at least, well, to address it is not simple, but to say to the person, if this is something that is happening to you, where it's like you're mm -hmm. spending time, you're hooking up, you're talking, you know, whatever, but they're like, oh, I don't want to bring you to family functions or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, I can't date a stripper. I think it can be really helpful just to name it for what it is. Like, are you ashamed of me? Are mm -hmm. you afraid of being teased? Are you right. going to be cut off from resource from your family? Like, what's going on? Right. Mm -hmm. um, like, if you have a big, fat fucking inheritance and we were going to keep it secret, sure, yeah, okay, let's do that. <laughs> but like, but if, you know, but like, yeah. really, I encourage sex workers to like... <sighs> Just keep trying to find people that will love you for who you are right. and have those screening tools because those folks are out there. That's what I was going to say is actually I haven't um, I haven't experienced that much like in terms of relationships is uh, I maybe because of the people that I am attracted to or um, I don't know, but I think that there are a lot of people who won't carry that, who will be happy to date sex workers mm -hmm. and who will be happy to be in relationships. And I don't know. I think for a lot of people, it's not as complicated as I, I it is complicated, but I think that there are a lot of people who won't feel like it's anything more than a job. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. Don't give up, folks. Uh, okay, we're going to take another quick break. This is the Sex Work and Relationships episode. Look up our guest, Jesse Sage, on jessiesage.com. What is your book you're working on? So I'm working on what they call, I'm working on a book on leaving academia and becoming a sex worker, um, basically. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so yeah, cool. it's on West Virginia University Press. Nice. Okay, good. Everybody look for that. Otherwise, we'll be right back. It's Elle here with a juicy secret. You have so many options for your relationship structure. Best-selling author, New York Times, and NPR contributor Dr. Jolie Hamilton is the expert who helps people custom design relationships to get more of what they want. Dr. Jolie's highly coveted program, The Year of Opening, is for people who are ready for more. To join the waitlist and get first dibs on a one-to-one -one call with Dr. Jolie at no charge, sign up for free now at theyearofopening.com. Welcome back to They Talk Sex. 
I'm your host, Elle Stanger. This is the Sex, Work, and Relationships episode. So I found this piece called How to Be a Supportive Partner to a Sex Worker, and then you also shared one that you co-wrote. So I just want to get into these a little bit. Uh, this was written, How to Be a Supportive Partner to a Sex Worker was written by Effie Blue. The website is wearecuriousfoxes.com. And it looks like this was collaborated on with Mistress Shayla, who has been in the industry for 12 years. So there's some tips in here. We're not going to read all of it. But number one, it says define sex work. So like what kind of work does this person do? Are they selling panties? Are they dancing naked? I really hate the word panties. Why did I just say it? (laughs) Okay, folks, you got to hear me say it twice. Um, Number two, get clear how you feel about it. And that might mean looking at the laws and practices in your area. Mm -hmm. Uh, What's the social norms around stigma shame? Says respectful curiosity. Seek insight rather than prying. Mm-hmm. Own your feelings, articulate your fears. Uh, good sex, free drinks, and hot company are very likely but not guaranteed. That's funny. And <laughs> lastly, looks like they say it might just not be for you. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. think about any of that? Yeah, I think that's all really good advice. I particularly think it's good advice to own your own insecurities or your own feelings about it and not to push those off onto your sex working partner as if it's a problem with them, but instead something about you and your feelings. And I think that's good relationship advice in general. I think that it's really easy to uh, not own your own feelings and your own baggage and your own insecurities, but to blame your partner for how you're feeling. And I think anytime that you can step back from that and be more introspective and say, I'm having these feelings, um, will you talk to me about them or help me um, navigate those with you? And it's not, and to do that instead of blaming the other person, I think that's good relationship advice in general. Um mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think also, um, and this is, you know, this was alluded to, but I think also not fetishizing your partner as some sort of sex machine because robot. of their mm-hmm. job, yeah, sex robot because of their job is also really important. I, mean, I know I've had a lot of clients who've said things like, oh, I wish I had a partner like you. And that always makes me laugh because I think my partner does not have a partner like me. This is, I mean, it's not as if I'm faking things, but it's a very um, curated and version of me. They don't mm-hmm. see me in a bad mood or, mm-hmm. um, or not tired dressed up, right. or not dressed up or, you know, I... I think that um, having reasonable expectations of your sex working partner as a person who has a job and isn't a caricature is really important. Mm, I love that. And so I see you wrote, you co-wrote this in November 28th of 2020 on peepshowmagazine.com, The Romantic Lives of Sex Workers and Their Partners. Yeah, what we actually did for this piece, I mean, Sonora and I are both um, sex workers, but what we did is we interviewed partners. So none of the people that we interviewed were sex workers. They were all partners. And we wanted to know what their experience was like and what advice they had for other partners. And that was really interesting. 
Hmm, I like that a lot. I did something similarly where I talked to partners of uh, strippers only some years ago for uh, Industry Magazine. Uh, yeah, that's a really nice idea. I see being new to the world of sex work is one topic. So yeah, that's kind of like what it said earlier, like getting clear about what it means. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Managing jealousy. Yeah. Dealing with sex work stigma. The benefits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Some advice at the end. This is beautiful. Okay, we'll stick this certainly in the links. It looks like Sonora is a certified somatic sex educator, therapeutic yoga instructor, and reevaluation counselor. Yeah. Cool. So mm-hmm. she's trauma informed. Yeah, yeah. She's based out of New Orleans. Oh, lovely. All right. So yeah. we'll check that out. So besides all your snazzy friends and partners that help you in production, do you have any people you've been inspired by or recommend? Um, I brought up earlier Lorelai Lee. I really love her writing. Mm-hmm. Um, she's inspired me. I really um, have been inspired also by the writing and some of the thinking, especially around like anti-work and anti-capitalism of thought scholar. Um, and mm. I've appreciated a lot of um, her insights trying to, you know, I've worked with so many different sex workers. <laughs> it's um, so hard, right? I see. Especially yeah. when you, when you run a podcast forever, I'm like, man, I've interviewed so many different people. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's all smushing together in a delicious soup. Lorelai yeah. Lee's really great for a uh, intersection of disability and yeah. life and sex work writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really, really appreciate her insights on that and are their insights on that. Um, and also legal, um, stuff now that they've gone through law school as well. So I think that that's also really, um, really helpful. Oh, is Lorelai using they, them pronouns? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I did not know that. Okay. That's a great update. I yeah. saw Lorelai Lee's porn first, like probably about 20 years ago. Yeah. So good to know. Yeah. Good to be yeah. caught up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. There's so many, there is so many um, people I think doing a lot of uh, important work on, on sex work and sex work politics and mm-hmm. anti-work and anti-capitalism. And all of that is really interesting to me. And I feel, and decriminalization. And mm-hmm. I feel like, um, I feel like sex workers are some of the most um, informed um and forward thinking and nuanced uh, political thinkers that there mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. In terms of like human rights activism. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Or hospitality industry or labor mm-hmm. rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So this is similar to the last question. Do you have any books, resources, or websites to recommend besides Peep Show Podcast, which you said ran for five years? Yeah. And we had a... we hosted a uh, magazine style website, which is peepshowmagazine.com. But it's all, it's all older at this point since we folded it. Um, When we just got busy, PJ got Mm a, you know, a regular vanilla career and I started Mm -hmm. writing my book. So we did not have time for that, Um, Mm -hmm. which was actually sad. Like we've mourned a little bit, you know, having, Mm -hmm. having something, a project like that to work on together, but also just to be connected to the community because it's, yeah. that's a very easy way to meet a lot of people. Mm. Um, let's see what other, um, I, um, on my other profile, um, it's sabellyrain.com. Um, I'm, I'm, this is like not a secret, I guess. Um, <laughs> I actually keep what, um, 
a I try to do it weekly, but it doesn't always work out that way. Um, blog called Musings, where I actually talk about the books every week that I'm reading and interested in. So um, I have, That's cool. yeah, I have like a, I can send that to you when we get off yes. this, but I also have, you know, a blog that I keep on my, on my website where I write about the books that I'm reading. Um, so there's a lot there. Most of them aren't about sex work. Most of them are just from a bunch of different genres, but I'm a reader. So I like to, mm. to engage with books. And that's also been really fun because my, I've, gotten a lot of clients because they're interested in talking to me about books. And it's become kind of a thing where clients as gifts bring me books that they're reading. And so yeah. I have a ton of books from clients and that's really fun. I love that. You're prolific mm -hmm. in, in a few regards. So let's see. I do ask every guest this. Do you have any sex tips for our audience? Um. Yeah. So I think that um, what makes sex good is good communication and knowing what you want and being willing to ask for it and also be willing, being willing to take no for an answer if that's the answer. So, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about, you know, people who clients or potential people who want to date you come and say, who claim to be good at sex. And this is something that's very odd to me because being good at sex in my mind is not having particular techniques or skills, but it's, or not having hard techniques or skills, but rather having the ability to like listen to and connect with a partner. So, um, my advice is to be open to listening to and connecting with another person and also being open enough to share what you want to get out of the encounters or the relationship with them because sometimes you're surprised and that will open up very exciting new avenues in your sex life. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for being here, Jesse, for our sex work and relationships episode. Everybody check out jessiesage.com. I'll see you on Twitter at sapiotextual, where hopefully everyone's nice to you forever, <laughs> forever. Uh, and I'll find you on Curvaceous Sage uh, on Insta. We'll put all that in the episode notes. And hopefully we don't get zucked or eloned off of those platforms anytime I soon. I know. I really hope so. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think they could listen to this podcast and become like more open, warm people. But alas, I think that not would be wonderful. Right. My SEO reach is not that. Uh, <laughs> not yet. Not yet. Okay, everybody. Thanks for listening. I'm on lstanger.com. Write to me. They talk sex at protonmail.com. Until next time.